Beloved Church of God, beginning our service before the Lord, let us stand and affirm the promise that relates to the door of our hope. Let the resurrection of Christ reign in our bodies. Amen. Let us bow our heads in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to your holy name for this once again privilege to be in this place that your hand has outlined for the worship of your holy name. And so allow your inheritance in the name of the blood of the covenant to be lifted to heights higher than us and to break all burden and sin that binds us. May in this place be cursed as before all the works of devil, illnesses, poverty, premature death, demonic dependencies, all forms of fears, depression, destruction, covetousness, stagnancy, ignorance, all of this, let it depart from the tents of your holy people and stand, O Lord, on the place of your rest, you and the ark of your greatness, and may your saints be clothed in your salvation, and may they rejoice before your countenance. Give us more from your Spirit, fill us with your Holy Spirit, and allow us to find your holy countenance. We thank you that this service is presented by Apostle Arkady in your divine arms, and we ask you to continue to lead it with your high and uplifted hand. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. May you be blessed. Please be seated. The book, the book of Ephesians 4.22-24 You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful lusts, to, to be made new by the spirit of your mind and to put on the new self, created by God in true righteousness and holiness. Without righteousness and holiness, or true righteousness and holiness, we will not be able to put on the new man. Without, again, holy truth, no one will be able to be clothed into the new person. And for this, we need to have the anointing and the right first to put off our former way of life so we can clothe our bodies into a new way of life. And to fulfill this decree and commandment written in the book of Apostle Paul and presented to us in the series of sermons of Apostle Arkady, we need to put three destiny-impacting, commanding, and fundamental acts into practice. These are put off, be renewed, and put on. Fulfilling these three requirements will determine whether our salvation happens that is given to us in the format of a seed, which we need to obtain as a possession in the format of the fruit of righteousness. Fulfilling these three requirements to put off, be renewed and put on, the scriptures say that being clothed, that we not end up naked. How can you, being, being clothed, clothed, end up naked? This is when we don't want to cast off the old man, but really want to put on the resurrection of Christ. These are people who are clothed, but before God's sight are naked. This is why Pastor has written these words, fulfilling these three requirements. Put off. Renew, put off the old man, renew your mind, and put on the new man. If we want to put on the resurrection of Christ, 
because we like it. But not everyone wants to put off the old man. And so it could happen that a person has put on the new man, but God sees him as naked. And so relevant to this, we stopped to study the allegory contained in the 18th Psalm of David, where getting to know and confessing the power that is contained in the heart of David, consisting of the eight names of God, allowed David to love and call upon the Lord, who is worthy to be praised, and gave God the legitimate ability to use the power contained in the capabilities of his names in battle against the enemies of David. And so Psalm 18, 1-4. I love you, Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my deliverer. My God is my rock, in whom I take refuge, my shield, and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call to the Lord, who is worthy of praise, and I have been saved from my enemies. Let us together now proclaim and establish these names in our own hearts. Lord, you are my strength. Lord, you are my rock. Lord, you are my fortress. Lord, you are my deliverer. Lord, you are my rock in whom I take refuge. Lord, you are my shield. Lord, you are the horn of my salvation. And Lord, you are my stronghold. May the Lord hear this confession and make us worthy of these names. And may he allow us to open up that potential, that power, that might that is contained in these names so that we can collaborate with these names and utilize God so that he can, together with us, overcome our enemy, our old man. And old, the old man, of course, being supported by all of hell, the Antichrist, the false prophet, the wicked, and the lawless. But we need to overcome this old man to be able to overcome it all. The Lord said, you will destroy them as one man. And the man of God says, how? Gideon says, how? The multitude of people, how do I destroy all of these people? He says, you'll kill them as one. You'll destroy them as one person. If I have victory over my old man, that means I will overcome all of hell. And so we had been studying the name of God, you are my fortress. Let us remember that after magnifying the word of God within our heart, we then clothe ourselves into the power of the name of God's strength, because specifically in the name of God's strength do we magnify his name, his word, and weigh then ourselves upon the scales of righteousness. We then cleanse ourselves from all filth of the flesh and spirit with the abilities contained in the, lo in the lot of the name of God rock, to then receive the right to uh, in Jesus Christ to the lot contained in his name fortress so that we can approach God. And this unique name by the means of which we approach we we approach all of the rest of the names of God. When we run to God as our God who is our fortress something phenomenal happens. We become possessors of such armor that hell is afraid of, such potential, and he wants, 
And so there's such potential, there's such armor within this name that will we'll be able to not just confuse our enemy, but destroy him as well. The name of God fortress used in the given prayer psalm as an inherited lot of the Son of God in whom and by whom a person can approach God so that he can know God and be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven containing the oath promises of God. The name of God fortress identifies in scripture, is identified in scripture as God's habitation, God's house, God's sanctuary, unapproachable light in which God dwells, the place where man gets to know God, the opportunity opportunity to be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven, the atmosphere of the success of God and joy of God, and also fortress is the hope of God and the trust of God. Practically, the fortress of God is a specific place where God abides, within the boundaries of which we can know God and be fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven. And this place is situated in three unique realms, the heights of the heavens in the, in the sanctuary, which identifies the body of Christ, and this can be found quite rarely on earth. And so this sanctuary identifies the body of Christ as chosen by God remnant, and the heart of man who has a humble and contrite spirit and who trembles before the preached word of God, spoken by a person whom he has clothed into the power of a father, and also spoken by the helpers of this person. And so such a person with such a trembling heart, there's a a serious deficit of such people within the religious world. Therefore, the verb run to or approach God as your fortress contains the opportunities giving man the ability to be fertilized with the seeds of promise belonging to the door of our hope in the fruit of which God receives the legitimate ability to join the battle for our body so that he can destroy the stronghold of death within our body and forever thrust the old man from out of our body with noise by the armor, trust, and foundation known as the stronghold of death. And so we read that God will do all of this using our fruit, our Methuselah who drives away death. And he won't do this with his mighty and powerful voice. He will do this together with us. And he wants us to have the same kind of resounding voice. And that we have within our arsenal such armor, the fruit of Methuselah who drives away death. And this also includes another person as Maher Shalal Hashbash, if you remember, who contains the salvation of Jesus Christ. And so God without fruit won't be able to do anything. And so it's interesting fruit is not just what glorifies the Heavenly Father. When we produce much fruit, it says in Scripture, we glorify our Father in Heaven. And fruit is not just glorifying our Heavenly Father. We, in this fruit, also receive something. We receive an arsenal and armor, which will allow us to, with noise, thrust out the old man by the powerful Word of God and the anointing Holy Spirit. The word to approach God as a verb 
This In Hebrew, the phrase to run to or approach God means to approach the altar, commence to know God, enter the sanctuary of God, get closer to God, resort to God's help, find yourself in the fortress of God, being fertilized with the seeds of the kingdom of heaven, and grow fruit for God. And so, he has said, our pastor, that you need to fall in love with the truth. And uh, you ask the question, how? Love it so that you know it. As a groom, he can't know his bride if he doesn't first love her. You need to love so much that you want to know. And so you can't know the truth if you don't first love the truth. Know the truth and the truth shall set you free. Know has become one with as a groom becomes with a bride. And so to know, you need to fall in love. You need to love the great word and the Holy Spirit, fall in love with it, and then And you can't take this away uh, from a pastor, for example. From young age, he's shown that love for the word. How do? You, how is it that we know the word, the truth? Know the truth means love the truth, and then know the truth, become one with it. And that doesn't mean go- coming into God's church and controlling the people. You need to fall in love with the truth, get to know the truth, and it shall set you free. Therefore, every time God, by the means of the Holy Spirit, allows man to run to or to approach him, then as a result of such contact, we will always have a corresponding fruit in that area in which we approach him. As with the previous names of God, we need to note that the presence of the fortress of God in one area of our life does not in any way mean that it is automatically guaranteed to be present in the given name in another area, spirit, soul, or body, could be any of those. If he's in our spirit, for example, he that doesn't mean he's still in our is already also in our soul, in our mind, or in our body, in our ac- actions. We are inherent to God. We're born again, and that's only within our spirit. And only after do we expand that salvation uh, to our soul and body. We renew our mind. We ex- we expand it to our mind first. We renew our, renew our mind. Then we proclaim. Uh, the righteousness of God, the truth of God, we proclaim it with our renewed mind, Uh, we then act accordingly. And this then expands to our body. According to the statements of Scripture, for the presence of the fortress of God, every individual area of our life needs to be brought to proper condition where the power of God would be able to reproduce the fruit of the fortress in this area in the form of our salvation. Therefore, it is specifically us in every individual area of our essence who are responsible for creating such an atmosphere which would be able to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our fortress. And such an atmosphere called to provide God with the legitimate ability to be our fortress is the good soil of our heart, able to receive the seed of the word of God and grow fruit corresponding to the nature of the seed we have received. And so create such an atmosphere again is to have a good heart cleansed from dead works. And there's no other way to create this atmosphere. We upon this place have this atmosphere and the, the further we go 
the more and more this atmosphere will be will will exist will be and you ask the question why because we become free of dead works of dead uh, ways of understanding or thinking you you begin forgiving people as something of a natural sense that you do it naturally you forgive people you love people naturally it becomes normal and for this purpose just as we studied the previous names of God called to be the individual lots of our salvation we need to study the following series of questions what characteristics and categories identify our inherited lot contained in the name of God fortress what purpose is our inherited lot contained in the name of God fortress called to fulfill in realizing our salvation what price is required to be paid so that we can give God the ability to be our fortress? By what results do we determine that God is truly our fortress in the realization of our calling? In a particular format, we already studied the essence of the first two questions, and therefore we will turn to and continue studying question three. And it sounds this way, what price do we need to pay so that our heart can become a fortress of God which will then give God the legitimate ability to be our fortress. And so first, I allow God to make me, make himself. And so I, I first allow God to make myself a fortress for him. And then he, in turn, becomes my fortress or our fortress. And so how comfortable God will be within your heart is how comfortable you will be in His. And so let's look at these components of the price for the right to approach God. First component of the price for the right to approach God is providing God a fruit of righteousness consisting in the name of the son of Isaiah, uh, the name of the son of Isaiah, Maher Shalal Hashbaz. And so these uh, events that took place in the Bible, these examples, these events, these stories, they will also happen in our life. The Israelite king and the, the Israelite king, as we know, is our soul, as in the story, that uh, this is our soul. And so Israel and Syria had decided to go against Jerusalem in this story to destroy it, to destroy the the Jews, the, our spirit, to destroy our spirit, our soul and body. Why? And so the soul together with our body go against our uh, Jerusalem, our spirit. Why does this happen? And this is because... Our Jerusalem will have Prophet Isaiah. As soon as Prophet Isaiah will be there, they will want to go against Jerusalem. Prophet Isaiah is the word that we receive, the word that we receive into our heart. Isaiah had two sons who were the sign, or that preached word that we receive, and that has two powerful signs. One was Sha'er Beshu, if you remember. He represents the fruit of justification. His younger 
uh, brother Mahershal al-Hashbaz represents demonstrating the fruits of righteousness and ha having this fruit of righteousness you can then obtain the promise that belongs to the door of of our hope or drive away death from our body and adopt our body by the fullness of the salvation of Christ and so we need to create again such an atmosphere so that all of these things would happen in us in the first son of Isaiah it was the fruit of, ju of justification and the second son is the fruit of righteousness and so how and so people ask what is the fruit of righteousness and fruit of justification the fruit of justification is when we confess in justification who God is for us what God has done for us and who we are to God this is the fruit of justification and we count ourselves dead to sin and living for God. And when this happens, by confessing the faith of our heart, we then confirm the fruit of justification, and then comes the fruit of righteousness, which commands the uh, death, which is the old man, to be thr thrusted out from within our body with noise. The fruit of justification is when the Lord accounts righteousness to us. It's not possible to have the fruit of righteousness if you don't yet have the fruit of justification. The fruit of justification, Abraham believed in God and God accounted to him this to him as righteousness. He accounted as righteousness. That means he gave him what he did not have. We want to say, for example, purchase a house. And not everyone is given a loan for a house. But when a person is given a loan... In other words, he paid this price for us, and when he gave me this loan, this is the fruit of justification. And now I have this debt, and I need to, within the span of my life, return this debt through the fruit of righteousness. Fruit ju of justification is the loan that's given. And today, if you could see in the real world, uh, rarely people are getting loans, especially with the economy the way it is. Um, Abraham looked at the heavens and said, I believe that, as, and God said, believe that how many stars you see in the sky is how many children you will have. How many sands of grain you will f see is how many children you will have. And this is accounted to you as righteousness. I give you this as a loan and you need to repay it by the, ends of your, by the end of your life. The fruit of justification is, it's accounted to us ahead of times. It's given to us uh, uh, in advance something we then need to return as our own uh, profit remember he said evil servant here's your 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 here's your own and this is the fruit of of justification the fruit of justification the is given to us so we can then produce the fruits of righteousness. God gives talents of silver for one reason, not that we just bury it or hide it, but that we uh, 
converted or, or invested so that we could receive a profit so that it can become the fruit of righteousness. The Lord has trusted us with much and in the fruit of justification He gives us this loan and at, by the end of our life we need to pay this loan back from the fruit of justification come to the fruit of righteousness. It's important, of course, for us to do. Second component of the price for the right to approach God consists in fulfilling the condition, making our heart a fortress for the Holy Spirit, which provides the Lord Jesus the ability to seat us upon His throne, called to become our fortress. Here, Pastor showed us a place of Scripture in the book of Revelations, where Jesus says, in what way this happens. He says, I stand at the door and knock, and whoever hears my voice, my voice, he says, and will open the door, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. And after this dinner, I will offer him to sit upon the throne. The one who overcomes, I will allow to sit at my right hand, as I have been seated with my, at the right hand of my father. I want first to knock on, upon your heart. That means you need to hear my voice. Uh, and when I come into your heart and I dine with you after this dinner, I will then offer for you to sit with me upon the throne. And to sit with Jesus upon the throne is not when we die. You sit upon Jesus' throne while we're alive. To sit upon his throne we use the might of the prayer of intercession pray for the salvation of our body is only possible from the throne and to pray from the position of the throne is when we have the ability to hear the knock upon the door he says I stand at the door and knock if anyone hears the my knock my voice so it turns out his knock is his voice whoever hears my voice it turns out there are many voices if we hear his voice and we open our heart to his voice and will dine with this voice will communicate have fellowship will be nourished by this voice to dine with uh, to consume the food that is at this uh, supper then this person I invite and he will no longer be a guest he will be my son who will sit in Jesus Christ and intercess for the saving of his body and this knock today happens and our Apostle Arkady explained how the Lord knocks upon our heart he, he knocks by the preached word he does not knock using visions or supernatural signs or wonders he only knocks by his preached word using his preached word he knocks into a heart that can receive the Word of God and be fertilized with this word, with this seed. He knocks into a heart of a wife, a bride of the Lamb. He knocks so that in our heart we have oil as the oil was in the vessel. He wants to reach our lamp, our mind and our soul. You'll say, well, how is he knocking 
using the voice of the messenger. What am I doing right now? I'm not knocking upon the, your heart. We are already going through what we have in our heart. <clears throat> My goal is now to reach our mind so that the truth that was already presented by our apostle, these that have been explained multiple times to us so that we finally understand them. The one who waters, his purpose, that oil that is already within a person in his vessel, help him pour it into the lamp so that the lamp would burn so that he understand the truth. The apostle does the work so that the oil would be in the vessel. And those who water need to help the saints so that the word that we have received and heard that's in our vessel to have it reach our mind. And so when this happens, this means that I stand at the door and knock, and those who hear my voice, we hear this voice, he comes in, and we dine with him. And the Lord says, I give you the right then to sit upon my throne. Third component of the price for the right to approach God is refusing to consume alcoholic beverages. Leviticus 10, 9 through 10. Do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you. When you go into the tabernacle of meeting, lest you die, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations that you may distinguish between holy and unholy, between unclean and clean. Before the rapture of the bride of the Lamb from the world, the church, in its majority, will cancel the prohibition of alcoholic drinking, so much so that within her midst there will be an unusual deficit of soberness. It is specifically this element of wickedness that will be the distinctive and was the distinctive quality of the days of Elijah, which symbolize our days. Luke 1.13 through 17. John the Baptist It says, But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son. For he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. He will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. The goal of this prophecy came down to preparing a way for the Lord. Fix your lamp so that you you prepare yourself to meet with the Lord. And that John, similar to Elijah, because he is a Nazarite, will not drink wine or other intoxicating drink which indicates the fact that the church in its majority and the in the majority of their leaders before the rapture of the bride of the Lamb from the world, on the contrary, by the means of corrupt teaching demonstrated in a cultural and moderate wine consumption, will cancel for themselves the prohibition of consuming alcoholic drinks. Which is why... In the midst of the church, there will become an unusual deficit of soberness, and this will result then in moral decay and lewdness concealed in an outer look of godliness prescribed as a rank of spirituality. 
and to clarify for ourselves the character of soberness and be clothed into the virtue of her prudence, we will turn to the definitions given in scripture about the quality of wine and the quality of soberness, and then we will have the ability to approach God as to our fortress. The quality of alcoholic beverages and their destructive power is not subject to any scrutiny. Since just like a tornado, it sweeps away everything in its path, all that is great, wonderful, and moral. It takes away the life of man, destroys fa familial bonds, lowers the moral image of man to the level of cattle, and completely tears apart relationships with God. And the most devious and destructive in drinking alcohol is the teaching of its consumption in moderate amounts, which many leaders of Christians, Christianity support and implement ascribing this moderate consumption of alcohol a rank of spirituality. We will remember one of the learned medical reports corroborated by 150 incredibly famous experts which was addressed to the government and religious leaders which the masses compare themselves to and it begins like this, this report. These 150 men, learned men, wrote it wasn't just to the governments, but also to pastors, because today this, this has become normal to drink in the churches. Imagine, these men of study had sent this to the, con to the congregations, to all the congregations, the Baptist, the Pentecostal, all of these, and also the government. And here's what they said. Before anything else, it is necessary to realize that alcohol is poison, destroying life and the health of not just the person consuming it, but all of society as well, and this poison is dangerous in any dose. Therefore, anyone who will, in one or another way, propagate moderate doses of cultural wine consumption and dry wines needs to be considered the worst of enemies, runs counter to the truth, and brings destruction and degradation to the nation. Considering the dangers of alcohol in any amount or dose, it is necessary to decisively and ir irreversibly refuse it, remembering that a sober life is what all generations, what which in all generations was sought by the best of minds of man, and without which there cannot be any reasonable joy. And they gave this letter to the pastors, and this they gave this to the governments, and of course these pastors threw it away in the garbage. You can drink. As long as you're not becoming a drunkard, uh, they say you can drink. And even these men of study aren't trying to knock in the hearts of men to wake them up, to stop this. And so after these men of study, then it will be doctors, and then it will be something worse than that. Therefore, coming from the position of Scripture, when it comes to consumption of alcoholic drinks and the position of all sober-minded men, the Apostle, our Apostle Arkady, again and again, addresses the church with the words, Be sober. You are responsible for who you follow. Beware of servants spouting about moderate consumption of this poison. These are useless shepherds that are foretold in Scripture. And instead of being a moral pillar for those who are their responsibility, as well as the perishing world, 
with their perverse outlook on moderate consumption of this poison, they support those secret organizations who system systematically and intentionally poison humanity, putting them on the altar for the Prince of Darkness. First, telling them that lies are truth is what they do, and second, they weaken the strength of their immune system when it comes to enslavement and self-identity, and therefore these pseudo-leaders participate in the preparation of the rule of the man of sin and son of destruction. The teaching of moderate consumption of alcoholic drinks is one of the destructive heresies which bring people to perdition, for whom actually their fortress is the spirit of deception impersonating itself as the spirit of truth. And before we focus our study on the virtue of soberness, we will shortly remember how the progressing ma uh, mankind characterizes and reacts to drinking in certain sayings and phrases, and also the statements of notable people who left their mark on the culture of the world. And afterwards, we will then look at the statements of the Holy Scriptures about wine and wine drinking. And so let's hear a few of these statements, what wise men say about alcoholism. Love wine and destroy the family. In a puddle of vodka, the rich also drown. To drink wine is is to destroy yourself or kill yourself. Vodka does not heal, but cripples or harms. If wine comes, shame goes away. Where there is wine, there is sorrow. Where there is drunkenness, there is criminality. Who drinks, washes himself in tears. First it was Ivan, now it became a fool. Ivan is considered, especially at times, it was considered a beautiful uh, name. Ivan is Yahweh's merciful. And so, who Ivan becomes then a fool, and it is wine to blame. The one who loves wine destroys his heart. One who is a drunkard. If you drink and also play, you will not see good. A drunkard in a nation, and so a, drunk, a drunken person as one who shakes or wobbles. A river begins with a stream, but an alcoholic from a, begins with a small glass. You may have these glasses you drink from, but your house is destroyed. One who is sober, even his fist can chop. But one who is drunk, even his axe doesn't work. And so here's just some of the sayings. These are some of the sayings, statements that are known. And so, wine has four qualities. First, a person begins to look look like an incredible bird. He then obtains the character of a monkey, being jo a joker, 
and then as a lion and become self-confident and arrogance and in conclusion it turns into a pig and like a pig lays in the in the mud <clears throat> and this was a, a person of Arabic descent who wrote this statement the Muslim as well as Christian they categorically do not drink they this is a criminal act within their faith and so the world looks and is confused how is it that the Muslims Christians they like Christ they don't like Allah but the world likes the Muslim more than the Christian today alcoholism is the mother of all misfortunes Alcoholism is the reason for weakness and the illness of all children. Because of wine, your beauty fades and you lose your youthful look. Alcoholism is becoming a fool. No body is able to be that strong that wine wouldn't damage you or hurt it. Alcoholism is a voluntary lunacy wine deafens a person allows him to forget allows him to play irritates and this is liked by people especially those that are less intelligent Wine makes a person cattle and a beast and distracts him from bright thoughts. And so some of these statements are known, uh, written by people that are well known and it also it appears that these people did not drink based on what they thought of it. Wine destroys mankind, destroys strength, destroys the ability abilities of man and also their souls people by drinking wine become harsher more foolish and mean our mind and our conscience demands from us that we stop drinking and stop offering it an alcoholic never goes ahead and this means in both a moral way or an intelligent way. The fact that it's difficult to stop drinking and and smoking is just a deceptive thought. In other words, you can make a decision to not do it. Vodka is white, but it makes the nose red and blackens the reputation. Even for, for the drunk one, even a bright road is darkness. Alcoholism is such a social destroyer and harm that it's difficult to even describe. 
you can say that that how much vodka the husbands will drink is how much how many tears the wife and children will shed drunkenness and culture have nothing in common they are as different as light from darkness from and and as different as isis from from fire and so when you're when you drink you feel relief and cowardness deprives you then of valiance. A sister came up and said, I have depression. I drink antidepressants. And, I, and she says, is it right that I, I, I take and I, I'm taking the second word of God, or the secondary form, second form of the word of God. And I told her that actually you're a drug addict. You're, you're addicted to these drugs. You need to use the armor of prayer. And people who are taking antidepressants, these are not the second form of the word of God. This is actually death. And this destroys You know that a, a drunkard drinks from a glass and his hands shake. He drinks the tears, blood, and life of his wife and children. Amongst the many sins, drunkenness is one of the most harsh and terrible of sins. A drunk person is not a person because he has lost what differs a person from cattle, intelligence, drunkenness, belittles a person, takes his mind from him, and finally turns him into an animal. And so in this case, you could say you could agree with Darwin that a person can turn into an, a monkey just the reverse effect if you become a drunkard you can't become from a monkey to a person but you can definitely become from a person to a monkey the reason for many evils lies at the bottom of a wine glass in bottles I see horrors We, I imagine that before me, that in front of me, there are serpents and other terrible things that I see, like I see, I, like I would see in a museum. And so he was walking, he's saying in a store, and he's looking at these bottles of wine, bottles of different types of alcohol, and all of these bottles, he says, I see 
as in a museum embryos. And other things that he sees in those bottles. Christians don't seem to see this. From all of the sins. Drunkenness is the most unfitting with the greatness of the spirit. Now let's look at the scriptures and why drinking is a sin and how God sees those who drink it. And so 10 different places we'll look at. First, wine contains the quality of mockery and brawling. And all who dr- who are drawn to it are foolish. Wine is a mocker. Strong drink is a brawler. Proverbs 21. And so a mocker, someone who uh, belittles and mocks another person that easily makes fun of other people so he feels greater than, than that person. We need to understand that if you're a doctor, you would know that this person drinks alcohol. And then he has these qualities of mockery and and the offending of other people. Second, wine contains the quality to deceive, to make the conscience sleep, and draws a person to perversion. Proverbs twenty three thirty one through thirty five. Do not look on the wine when it is red, when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothly. At the last it bites like a serpent and stings like a viper. Your eyes will see strange things and your heart in the original says strange wives and your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you will be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea or like one who lies at the top of the mast saying they have struck me but I was not hurt. They have beaten me but I did not feel it. When shall I awake then I may seek another drink. And of course, this is referring to spirit in the spiritual sense as well as foreign wives. These are foreign services, denominations, and person who sleeps is one who does not use his renewed mind, but uses the top of his carnal mind. As, as he says, they beat me, but I don't feel it. The word of God is beating him so that he wakes up, but he's saying it's for somebody else. It's for somebody else. He's it's beating you so it, it begins hurting so that you uh, awaken and sober. And so when you spread things about each other, about a sister, about a brother, you're in a spiritual drunkenness. You push him and he completely doesn't feel it. Third, Wine contains the quality that deprives kings and princes of their royal virtue. Proverbs 31.4 A mother says to her son, It is not for kings, Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink. Intoxicating drink is every form of alcoholic beverage. Some people say, Can I drink... Can I drink... Uh, those that are called as beer but are not. 
And so these things that are like alcohol, or that are in the likeness of alcohol, to that most imitate alcohol, those that actually do, which are intended to actually draw you in to be drinking further drinking alcoholic beverages. Fourth, consuming wine contains misfortune for all of those who drink it. Isaiah 5.22, Woe to men mighty at drinking wine. Woe to men valiant for mixing intoxicating drink. <clears throat> in Isaiah 5th chapter it also says woe to those who uh, drink from early morning and and go into the night also drinking <clears throat> and they party and they don't look at the word of the Lord and they don't look at the hands uh, the works of his hands and so again from morning to evening they are partying they're drinking the evening, there's as we know, there's the evening sacrifice. There's the morning sacrifice and the evening sacrifice. The Lord had the morning, evening, and the morning, and so those who drink in the physical uh, as well as in the spiritual, that pervert perverted truth is the spiritual. This person does not have in his essence then the evening and morning, the time when the priests would bring the offering, the sacrifice, and would fix their lamp. There are spiritual drunkards and spirit and physical drunkards. The Lord doesn't hear them. Fifth, consuming wine is a price a person offers selling his inheritance in the form of the kingdom of heaven and losing his salvation. 1 Corinthians 6, 9. Do not be deceived. Drunkards will not inherit the kingdom of God. And it's written <clears throat> also that do you not know that the uh, that a drunkard will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. These are people who do not perform the the righteousness of God. Sixth, consuming wine produces dissipation, and can in no way coexist with being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians five eighteen, and do not be drunk with wine in which is dissipation but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Dissipation, as we know, it occurs in all areas simultaneously. This dissipation begins in all areas again simultaneously. One sister came up and said, my, my husband says it's hard for him to understand things here. A wise person and I asked did he begin to drink and she says yes he did begin to drink and he's gone to another church a neighboring church where they do allow alcohol within the church And all these people who allow and permit for this alcohol will go to hell. And you need to tell your, your pastor 
you, you need to tell your, your, not your pastor, your, your husband, that this is the things that will occur, that you'll go to hell if you go to that church together with other drunkards, and you all together will be drinking. As Jesus says, strive to go through the narrow gate, find it and go through it. And there are few who do. Seventh, consuming wine belongs to the work of the flesh and is unfitting with producing to God the fruits of holiness. Galatians 5.19 Now the works of the flesh are evidence, which are adultery, fornication, drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I also told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Eighth, consuming wine and serving God in the temple of your body are not fitting and is death-like. Leviticus 10.9 The Lord said to Aaron after his two sons were killed, the sons of Aaron were killed, do not drink wine or intoxicating drink, you nor your sons with you. When you go into the tabernacle of meeting, test lest you die, it shall be a statute forever throughout your generations. And we know who what these two sons did, being drunk, at the moment before the Lord struck them when he told Aaron, do not drink wine or intoxicating drink. As it says, the two sons had taken a censer, filled it, and brought it before the Lord, and they brought a profane fire before the Lord, which the Lord did not command them to do. And a fire came out from the Lord and burned them, and they died before the Lord's face. And so profane fire exists everywhere where there is a wine glass. It may not be on the table, it could be under a bed or in a closet somewhere a wife doesn't see it. And wherever it may be, there will also be a profane fire. And all churches also that do not preach that alcohol is a sin. Whatever may happen in those churches, it will always always be a profane fire being supported by demonic, the demonic prince. Ninth, consuming wine deprives man of his dedication, which is linked to his calling. Number six, one through three. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When either a man or woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink. Number six, one through three. We know that a person who has taken the vow of a Nazarite, either for a certain time frame or for for the span of their life, <clears throat> was to withhold themselves from wine and similar drink, also not cut their hair or to or come or touch anything that may be dead. And so this was holiness uh, elevated in rank as the holiness this is the rank of of holiness of the high priest and so this is a dedication uh, which allowed the Lord to look at you as he looked at the high priest would consider you as he considers the high priest 
a person who does not drink a wine or similar drink he doesn't cut his hair and he does not come near to anything that is dead and so people today who say moderate moderate drinking today the whole religious world Uh, the religious world looks at people who know that it is sin and don't want to do it. Uh, what is it? You need this holiness for everyone drinks and you can drink too. And so they say, well, is it only you that is holy? Well, if you're all drinking, then yes. If that's if if everybody is. There are obviously other congregations and churches who do uh, uh, teach that it is a sin to drink and they don't do it. Jesus was also a Nazarite. And so Jesus, he was a and so Jesus was a man who was a Nazarene, as we know from the, uh, that he will be called a Nazarene, it said in scripture. He, and so there was the Nazarites, which dedicated themselves, and there was the Nazarene, which Jesus was a Nazarene, uh, from, the, from the area in Israel, Nazareth. And so again, the difference between the two names, the two different uh uh, titles that were given or name uh, one belonging to your dedication one belonging to uh, where you're from Jesus was also a Nazarite but he also uh, was from Nazareth And so, of course, people who looked at him <clears throat> was able to acknowledge that he was holy and he had the status of a high priest. Um, and tenth, consuming the, the world's wine as a harvest and a vengeance will drink the wine of the wrath of God. And so people who legalize uh, moderate forms of drinking will drink of the fury and wrath of God. Revelations 18, 4 through 6. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you share, you share in her sins, and lest you receive of her plagues. For her sins have reached to heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Render to her just as she rendered to you, and repay her double according to her works. In the cup which she has mixed, mix double for her. And so the dangers of alcohol in any amount are not fitting with the ability to be led by the Holy Spirit. It is necessary to decisively and without deviation to reject it 
without any possibility of return. You need to refuse it, reject it, and remember that you're a child of God. And a sober way of life is the way you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. And those people that uh, insist on a moderate form of drinking and the abilities, they will not be able to ever be a fortress of God and will not give God the ability to be their fortress. Right now, we will confess the word of God and we will pray in tongues as well. Let us proclaim the word of God together. First, we will cast off the old man from ourselves so that we can be clothed then into our new man. Because the scriptures say it's possible being clothed to be naked. So this not happen. We need to, by confessing, we need to cast off our old man and then put on the new man. Let's cast him off first. Please repeat after me. I today make the decision to put away all wickedness and unclean things so that in gentleness I can receive the planted word that can save my soul. I reject all that is evil and I choose the good. May all burden be removed and sin that binds me. I reject all idols that are present in my former way of life so that I could serve the one and only God. I die for my former way of life. I deny myself. I take up my cross and I follow the perfecter of my faith. I do not love the world or what's in the world. The one who loves the world has does not have God's love for what is in the world is the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. And it's not from the Father, but from the world. And the world passes and its lusts. But the one that fulfills the will of God abides forever. For the wrath of God is opened up upon all wickedness and the unrighteousness of man who present the truth as lies. May, Am I not to hate those who hate you, Lord? And do I not despise those who rise against you? With a full hatred I hate them. They are enemies to me. May they be ashamed those who search for my soul, may they be turned back and may may they be covered with shame. May they, as dust in the wind, and may the angel of the Lord drive them away. May their path be dark and slippery and the angel of the Lord, may he pursue them as the days will come that is burning and all the arrogant and those who behave behave wickedly will be as the chaff and that day will burn them, says the Lord of hosts, that there will not remain not a root or branches, but for you who revere before my face, the Son of Righteousness will come forth and healing in its rays 
and we will come out <coughs> and dance as young bulls and we will pamper the wicked and they shall be dust under our feet in that day which I shall make says the Lord of hosts when the corrupt will put on incorruption and what is mortal will put on immortality then the word that is written shall come and happen death is swallowed up by victory death where is your sting hell where is your victory death where is your sting hell where is your victory thanks be to God who has given to us victory our Lord Jesus Christ may he give us in the riches of his glory to be strongly rooted in his spirit in the inner man may with faith Christ be in our heart so that being rooted and grounded in love we may able to may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and length and depth and height and comprehend the great love of God so that we may be filled with all of the fullness of the Lord he was slain and with his blood he redeemed us to God from all tribes and languages and nations and people and has made us kings and priests to our God and we will rule on earth in him we have redemption because of his blood the forgiveness of sins by the riches of his grace the Lord has redeemed us from the oath of the law has be, had become for us this oath the Lord redeemed us from the sinful life passed on to us from our fathers there's no longer any condemnation for those who are in Jesus Christ because the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has delivered me from the law of sin and death the peace of God which surpasses all understanding may it guard our hearts and our minds in Jesus Christ all of the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the glory of God through us through the Apostles I have known that the Lord saves his anointed one he responds to him from his holy heavens with his might he saves with his mighty arm and with his chariots and with his horses but we with the name of the Lord we boast about they stumble but we stand straight father we pray in the name of Jesus Christ for our pastor Arkady who serves you with his spirit in his word in your word the son of the word of the son that the will of God would be for him we desire to see him so that he can give to us his words or your words for confirmation and so that we would be comfort comforted in faith we pray that you open the door for your word to reveal to him your mysteries so that he can reveal them then as he needs to may it be revealed to him as the dawn your light and your healing may it grow and your righteousness will be before him and the glory of the Lord 
will accompany him. May the sun of righteousness rise and healing in its rays. You give the one who is weak strength and the one who is weakened, you give him strength. The one who trusts upon the Lord will be renewed in strength. They shall lift up their wings like an eagle. They will go and will not become weary. They will not become tired. You stretch out your hand for healing and because of your wonders and miracles by the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. May you be blessed. Let us pray and thank God for what we have been able to hear today, which will allow us to overcome. May you be blessed in your prayer. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we thank you for the great privilege of being in this place that your hand is appointed for the worshiping of your name. Your right hand has appointed this place. You've chosen this place so that your fear would be here, so that upon this place, your names would be written, all of your names, that all of your names would be revealed upon this holy place. We thank you that today we were able to magnify you in your word as our God who is our strength. You are our God, our strength. And we lift you up and magnify you in the power of your word, the strength of your word and your Holy Spirit who reveals the meaning of your word. We magnify you in the name of God Rock because you have allowed us with your scales and weights, your commandments, your statutes, your word, you're able to weigh us so we can cleanse ourselves from all filth, not just of the flesh but of the spirit also. We thank you, Father, that today you cleanse first our spirit from all filth because in our conscience, while there are dead works, religious works which we are trying to earn are using to earn our salvation you consider it filth of the flesh which is nothing before you the labors which you have which you have not done we pray that you continue to teach us and we will soberly receive the word that we hear so that our heart would be clean from all dead works and so that in our heart we would have your promise written in the name of the second son of Isaiah and we thank you that you have given us the ability given us the promise at the door of our hope and for this you said that when you write this upon our scroll It has a great destiny, has great meaning, and we pray that upon our scroll, upon our heart, we not have place for any bitterness or offenses or suspicions. None of our personal opinions about the truth. We pray that our mind would be filled with the spirit of our mind, the mind of Christ. And you've allowed your word to be placed into the vessel of our heart. 
through uh, using your pastor, Pastor Arkady, and we pray for the leaders of cell groups. and for other helpers that also fulfill an important work so that the oil would be in our vessels, in our heart. We thank you that we do not leave our church and we are present in the church where you put oil in our vessel and the same service where we are humbled and come so that the word that's in our vessel would be able to be poured then into our lamp and be understood by us because if we don't write clearly upon the tablets of our hearts that promise that you have placed upon the at the door of our hope then we will not be able to take it we thank you lord that today you be continue to knock upon our heart using your godly voice and we receive your voice that person whom you have placed your delegated authority and the people that help him in the same spirit we thank you for the apostles and also those people who help him help us understand the word we bless them from your holy place and we pray for your mercy for them we thank you that you have allowed us today to be sober in the spirit to be vigilant in the spirit. You want our the loins of our mind to be girded. You have freed us from all dependence that we have been in. Either this be physical drunkenness and wine. If we never did this, maybe physically, but being in our carnal state, we presented God's revelations our, uh, as our own or presented our own ideas as God's revelations. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that has delivered us from this filth and your, tr- and your truth. Thank you that we are vigilant of your word today. We serve you in the soberness of our spirit. Thank you that you'd continue to teach us. You correct us and you push us with your word. When you correct us with your word, and it hurts. But we are not as those spiritual drunkards that don't feel it. We do feel it so we could see uh, where we need correction, where we need fixing, where we can need to establish your name as our fortress. And so we need to bring every aspect of our essence, spirit, soul, and body, every area of our life, into your godly order. And for this, we prepare ourselves to hear your words. And we thank you that we, for the word that we were able to hear today, and remember, confess, and establish, confirm it for ourselves personally, as well as for your church. We pray that that great armor and that great promise in the fruit of Methuselah who drives away death using it you with noise will be able to thrust out the stronghold of death in the form of our non-renewed mind in the form of 
our soul that has not been through passed through through the process of death in Jesus Christ. And so we pray today, Lord, that the Israelite kingdom and Syrian kingdom, our soul and our body, that they become completely dependent dependent upon our spirit. And for this, we call and we receive your anointed word as Israel at its time in the form of Ahaz had received Isaiah. And there was a great victory over the uncrucified soul and the body where the stronghold of death is. And we pray that that victory also happen in us as well. We thank you for the freedom of the Spirit, the fact that you've allowed us to become servants of righteousness. We are no longer servants of sin. We are no longer servants of, of alcohol or drugs. We are not servants of this world. We thank you that in the midst of our friends, there are not any that would hate you, that would not want to have a relationship with you, people of the world. And even if they are there, we make the decision to part from the, part with them, however painful this may be. But we do this to demonstrate our love for you. And this is a price. We die for our nation. And the house of our Father. We fall in love with your truth. We fall in love with your word. And when you see this love for your word, you allow us to know your word so that it can produce fruit within our life. And in every aspect of our essence we love your word we get to know your word we thank you our great God Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as, as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us finish with, finish our service with our manifestation. Now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise, be glory and majesty, dominion and power, both now and forever. Amen.